0: who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. George Smart, welcome to Entre Architect Podcast. Oh, thank you, It's great. George Smart, his life changed dramatically after he visited Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water in 2007. That led him to a night of Google search, which became a website, which became a community. And now his small but intrepid nonprofit staff and volunteers have built the largest open digital archives of residential mid-century modernist design in the world. In the world, yes. In the world. And it's free and it's searchable (laughs) for you. So you can go there now. It's usmodernist.org. George is the founder and executive director of US Modernist and NC Modernist. We'll get into both of those. They are nonprofit organizations dedicated to the documentation, the preservation, and the promotion of modernist design. George, I uh, I am so happy that you're here. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm, I am excited about what you're doing. I'm passionate about what you're doing. I think it's an important thing. I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, and I'd love to talk about modernist architecture and U.S. modernist and your podcast and all of that, but before we do that, I want to know more about you. I want you to dive a little bit deeper, go back to the beginning where this all started, share your story from where you discovered your passion and share that to where you find yourself today. Well,
1: it all started, Mark, on the planet Krypton. (laughs) I live next door to this couple That had this child they sent into space. No, that's not my origin story. You
0: lived next to Superman. (laughs) Yes, I did. Anybody
1: who knew Superman, amazing. It was a condo on Krypton. It was a really nice community. And how
0: did you get to modernist architecture from (laughs) Superman? That's amazing. I guess Krypton probably would
1: get you there. Yeah, yeah. I got into modernism really by accident. It was one late night on 2007. I was Googling for modern architecture in order to possibly build a house of my own in the future, which I eventually did. But at that time, I found these houses in Raleigh, North Carolina that looked eerily familiar, even though I'd never been there before that I could recall. It took me a a couple of hours to figure out that in fact, I had been there when I was six years old, when my dad, who was an architect, had taken me to these really unusual modernist houses all around town. And so this flood of memories starts coming back, repressed architecture that's (laughs) washed down there for years in my DNA. It was like that scene in Alien where the little monster erupts from the guy's stomach. That's how architecture suddenly burst out. And by the end of the late night, I had jotted down on a a legal pad, like 10 houses. And I thought, well, I'll just keep track of these. And this will be some fun little sideline that I'll do. I shared the list with some architect friends and my dad's who had passed away by then. And they said, oh yeah, there's there's tons of these houses all around the area because of NC State and its faculty and staff during the 50s and 60s primarily. And they said, well, you know, I'll give you some addresses. So they gave me some addresses and then some of the older architects uh, would get in touch with me and said, "I, I know where some of them are and they would drive me around. So, this list got up to about 50 or 100 or so. And then everyone said, Well, you should start a website. It's like, okay, I'm not a coder, but I can, you know, I can manipulate, I can drag and drop. So, I made a really simple website. I thought it'd be just me and a few friends. And it turns out everybody found this thing. And within a year, a little longer than a year actually, we did our first tour, and about 200 people showed up. And that was 120 tours ago, maybe, um, that we've done since 2007. Uh, we, we moved from being a, a local group called Triangle Modernist to a statewide group, which continues, it's called North Carolina Modernist, NC Modernist. And then about six years ago, we went national with US Modernist, covering the whole country.
0: And so, so what are you doing now? So, so it, it turned into sort of a tour organization Right. That is that was highlighting mid-century modern architecture in North Carolina. How did it go from there to what it is today?
1: Well, we're a nonprofit. We're set up as a 501c3, and in order to bring in revenue, the tours accomplish that for us and it exposes people to actually get inside these houses and see why they're why they are so great. Um, we made the transition to U.S. because of a kind of another random thing happened. I discovered John Lautner in California who I knew nothing about. And of course he has a fascinating uh, portfolio of houses going back 40, 50 years, which are just amazing. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just, um, I'll document all of John Lautner's houses. I mean, how hard can it be? <laughs> and it turns out pretty hard. There are like 200 houses. It took months. But then when I put it on my North Carolina website, our traffic doubled right away because people were so fascinated. And it turns out there was no really comprehensive website set up for this already. Uh, There was one by the Lautner Foundation, but it had a a minimal amount of information about the houses. And then after that, I thought, well, heck, uh, let's do some more national architects. So we got all the Frank Lloyd Wright houses, all the Neutra houses, all the Soriano and Elwood and Schindler and Charles Guathme and Richard Meyer and you know all the great architects that you could name, and now we have fully documented over eight thousand houses and about eighty architects of the twentieth century. Just about every famous one that was active in residential modern.
0: Wow, it's it's like you you started on the East Coast and you went all the way to the West Coast, yeah, and you filled in everything in between.
1: Pretty much. What was different about our approach is we decided to do it by architect rather than geography. So we would find an architect's past projects from their archive or sometimes from their family and then work backwards to see where the house is built. Are they still around? What happened to them? Was there a murder in the driveway? You know, all the interesting facts about the house and then trying to find, you know, current uh, photos of the houses and and what happened to them, really. And along the way, we discovered that um, the majority of these houses are still in existence, but a tragic
0: number of them have been destroyed. So, so what's your current mission? What's the mission of U.S. Modernist? So you're collecting all this information, you're documenting all this information, this has become uh, your thing, this is what you do. So what's the mission of U.S. Modernist? So our mission is threefold. It's to document the houses,
1: is to preserve these houses as much as possible and is to encourage the creation of new modernist houses. We think modernism is a style, not a time period. So while there's mid-century modernism, there's 2021 modernism. And we wanna keep this going and encourage architects and their clients to keep building these amazing houses because they are really quite different than traditional houses. So what's your definition of modernist? So we have a working definition that has served us pretty well. Uh, Four characteristics that make a modernist house. The first one is it has a low or flat pitched roof. Uh, Secondly, it has some kind of unusual geometry. It's not just a box. Um, Thirdly, it has an open floor plan, which is no big deal these days. Almost every house has an open floor plan. But back in the forties, it was a radical thing. It was like the, you know, Wi-Fi of its time. And then lastly, uh, lots of light sources, Um, oversized windows, sliding glass doors, courtyards, atriums, uh, different ways of of angling light. So there's little distinction between the inside and the outside. If a
0: house has all four of those
1: characteristics, it's probably modernist.
0: Got it. And then so so part of it is to encourage new modernist architecture. So that's part of the mission. The other two pieces are documentation and preservation. How are you doing those things? How do you, how are you documenting? That's where it started was how, how, how do you, how do you do that today?
1: So what we discovered early on is, uh, these last minute rescue attempts you see publicized through various architecture groups rarely work. There's a lot of drama around it. And really the time to intervene in a house is when it goes vacant. Well, you can't figure that out unless you know where the house is and why it's important and what its history is. So the documentation contributes to building a, a massive early warning system really for the houses nationwide. So if people know where they are and they can admire them, they can let us know if something's gonna happen to them. Uh, and then from there, we can go towards uh, figuring out like how do we get a, a buyer for the house early? How do we get sometimes a renter, sometimes just someone to stay at the house? to keep it from deteriorating because an empty house deteriorates very rapidly. As, as you know, it's just, it goes three times as fast as normal use.
0: So the, so the documentation and the preservation are really connected. They're integrated that that one sort of serves the other. Exactly.
1: Without having a
0: strong
1: database around the houses, it's very difficult to build a case for defending them come time that you need to.
0: So, how does that happen? You have a small team. You don't have, a, I mean, you're, you have 8,000 plus houses documented. You're not going out there yourself for 8,000 houses and documenting no. 8,000 houses. So, how is this happening? We have wonderful volunteers all around the country
1: who send in houses that they find. And then we have on our team some wildly dedicated volunteers who have worked with us upwards of, of 10 years and spend time each week um, hunting for houses, uh, going through the records of architects and towns and city directories and old phone books and old newsletters and putting all the jigsaw puzzle pieces together until we have a record of what happened to a house. Um, It may sound boring to some, but I can tell you it is is highly addictive. It is the crack. I mean, once you have solved a Scooby-Doo mystery about a modernist house,
0: You want to find more. It just you just can't stop. Yeah, it's the history, right? It's the it's the story of these buildings and and the and how they were designed and how they were built and how they were lived in and you know what happened to them and why did that happen. And particularly if you find one by a famous architect that no one's ever found before. That's particularly thrilling. Yeah, it's like finding the gem among all yeah. the stones. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to Twinmotion.link slash Entree that's Twinmotion.link slash Entree Architect. BIM can be important for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to RCAT.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email, it's free. That's RCAT.com, A R C A T.com. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you could spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to entrearchitect.com FreshBooks and enter entrearchitect in the how did you hear about us section and get more time back to build the business you love. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy to use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time, whether you're on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and manage team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph, it doesn't require a degree in finance to use it. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with a goal of improving their businesses. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entrez Architect community. So how many volunteers do you have? So we
1: have roughly about 20 total. Um, and then there are more that, that help us for special events, but 20 regular ones work with us ongoingly.
0: So how do you how do you determine which houses to document?
1: So we, we don't do that. We determine which architects to document.
0: Okay, well, how uh, do you do that?
1: So um, we start off with just, you know, the, the the big names out there, the ones that were the most prolific, for instance, like Wright did four or 500 residences. Neutra did, I think, around 400 different residences. So they're easy to spot and they're the obvious ones you wanna go with. And then we would turn to competitions and, and other kinds of awards, like Architecture Records started doing their record houses in 1956. So we can go to the record houses issue, which we have almost all of in our library, and see all the houses and who the architects were and if that architect shows up again and again that's probably going to be the one we're going to put on our list next so we've moved from that original lautner to now over about 80 different
0: architects got it so so it's like the network you sort of have one architect and that architect leads to you to other architects and and you decide through uh the how do you determine that how do you if you have a list of you know 50 architects that you want to document, how do you know which one's next? Is it just because that one's easier to document?
1: It's really by quantity. We try to to get the ones that were the most prolific first and then work our way to people who did, you know, smaller volumes of houses. Or there are people who were just extraordinarily well-regarded like Lou Kahn only did about a dozen houses but they're very
0: immaculate and everyone prizes them. So we did him fairly early on as well. Yeah. So what's in the archive? So you have a, you have this archive and it's digital. And mm-hmm. and so what's in it and how do we use it? So what's in there are really three sections. The first section is our master's
1: gallery, which is what we've been talking about. We've got the 8,000 houses uh, divided up by architect. And there you can find information uh, the year the house was built, the original owner, where it is, what's happened to it since, et cetera, and typically some photos of it at different stages over time. This is very useful for a couple of different purposes. Um, one is when a house is up for sale, often it's being sold by the you know, fourth owner, the eighth owner, the 12th owner since the 50s perhaps, and they, they don't know the history of the house necessarily. So they can find all that, the realtors can find all that. Um, it raises the prestige of the house to know its history and it's more likely to get sold to a loving owner than to a developer who's going to come along and scrape it.
0: Interesting. This so, is, so you so you document the significance of the house, so it's less likely that somebody will just tear it down, thinking it's a, just an old modern house.
1: Right. And the significance is often just the fact that it was designed by a famous architect, and people have forgotten that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes these houses are unfortunately renovated. Um, it's what I call the Priscilla Presley syndrome because, uh, you know, Priscilla, wife of Elvis, um, took a perfectly wonderful Laudner house in LA and turned it into this Italianate villa. And and the moral of that story is if you want an Italianate villa, just go buy one. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so is there, is there, so preservation is part of your mission. Um, is there any process? that you are encouraging or, or, or have documented uh, for restoration, where you can take some of these houses that have been sort of chopped up and put them oh, back sure. together.
1: So another purpose that we serve is that owners and architects and builders can come on the site and often see photos of the house in its original state. Because the second part of our site is our uh, huge magazine library. We have been scanning magazines since 2013. I think we're up to about 3.1 million pages so far. So magazines that are no longer around anymore, uh, Arts and Architecture, Architecture Forum. um, We've got all of Architecture Record, which is of course still going, uh, and about uh, 70 other titles. So they can find the original uh, publications from those houses, about those houses, and use that as a way of restoring it. It's it's very helpful. All this information had existed before, but it was in a library in a bookshelf somewhere. And people are just not gonna spend the time to go dig that out. We take it, scan it, make it text searchable. So now you can search within the text of
0: all those magazines
1: to find what you want much faster.
0: So are there any magazine additions that you're looking for that, because you're talking to, you know, thousands of architects right now that yeah, may have, sit, yeah. have them sitting on a shelf somewhere. Are there any specifics that you're really looking for?
1: Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to do a big favor for all the architect's spouses right that are <laughs> listening right now, because they have been bugging you to get rid of some of these damn things for years. And this is your opportunity on our website at usmodernist.org slash needed N double E D E D is a list, of all the architect, a list of all the magazines and issues that we are missing. So if you contact us uh, and we set that up, we can arrange for free shipping from wherever you are. Uh, we can have shipped to us as, as much as we need. Our record is I think 42 boxes that got shipped to us from Hawaii, uh, <laughs> from a library that was deaccessioning. And that was fantastic. And then we take these and um, and get them all scanned.
0: So you said there there's the Master's Gallery. You have the the library mm-hmm. for the magazines. What's the third piece of, of your archive? The third
1: piece is our podcast called U.S. Modernist Radio. And it is a show that is designed for the general public. We want the the people who are not professionally trained in architecture like me. I'm a mere mortal. I don't have the special skills like you do. Um, to, uh, a way to sort of easily ac- access some of this, um, you know, architecture sometimes doesn't do itself a favor by getting immersed in the jargon of architecture, and that's where it can lose people. Um, I know you teach this when you're teaching people how to market themselves is to strip away some of the jargon. And right. and, and that's what we do on our site is help people find stuff directly. Uh, the podcast is is a fun show. There's a theme song. Um, I sing it very badly. (laughs) Um, We have guests on modernism from all over the world. Uh, We've done several shows uh, with guests in Australia and the UK and Canada. And most recently, in the last year and a half, we've added musical guests who come on and perform songs that were typically popular during the time that mid-century modernism was all the rage. So music you might have heard inside one of these amazing houses.
0: Oh, what a great idea. What a great idea. It's a great podcast. I highly recommend that everybody who's listening right now go subscribe because it's easy. Wherever you're listening this, to this, just go search for U.S. Modernist Podcast and then hit the subscribe button. Uh, you won't regret it. It is a great show. It's it's very informative. I always say there's three things that make podcasting a, you know, a successful podcast. It has to be good quality audio. You have that. It has to be informative. It's super informative and it has to be entertaining. And it's one of the most entertaining podcasts I listen to. And so it's- Oh, thank you. It hits all three marks very well. Uh, It's a great podcast. Thank you. Uh, You know, I'll tell you a quick story about it. So
1: we started the podcast in January of 2015 and went along throughout the summer and it was kind of going, going, going. We had a sponsor from day one. It was great. And then eventually our sponsor left and we didn't really know what to do. We're out of funds. We just shut the thing down. And then about a month later, uh, maybe two months, all these best of lists came out. (laughs) And you did it. (laughs) We were on all these lists, best podcast in architecture. It was fantastic. So it's like, hell, we got to rev this baby back up. So we did. And it's been great ever since
0: yeah that's great i love that story that's a great story (laughs) so yeah great great podcast so um let's let's look at today are there home are there homes today that are being designed and built today that will be worth being part of the archives tomorrow oh absolutely there are
1: terrific architects in almost every major city who are putting together um you know incredible houses that uh, rival anything that's ever been done before. But again, these are fairly under the radar. Yeah. Because modernism, even at its peak, was never a national craze. Um, I estimate that roughly one-fourth of 1% one of the houses in America are modernist, and that's probably a high estimate. Uh, it's, it's very small. But people who build them, people who design them, people who live in them absolutely love them, and are very passionate about them, and that—that's our community.
0: Yeah, it's it's exciting, and I and I think that architects who design modern architecture today design it for a very small market, but there it's a very passionate market. It's those people it who are who are looking for that, and <clears throat> and I think that when you when an architect says, "Okay, I want to design and build and develop some houses," they're always want they always want to design and build those modern houses, um, but then there's always this outside pressure that, oh, they're not going to sell. Nobody wants those houses. That market's too small. But I actually think that that market is exactly where we should be um, because that market isn't being served well. And if you serve it, you can serve that small market of really passionate customers waiting to buy the houses that you can design and build. Well, you know, to be
1: fair, and I want to be fair, modernist houses are kind of like the anchovies of architecture. I mean, (laughs) not everybody likes them. Yeah, right. And some people hate them. Some people really despise modernist design. Uh, There's a whole group that's dedicated, for instance, to eliminating modernist design from most of America, from the federal spending, for instance. But if you're into it, it's great. And we try to help more people get into it by getting them inside the houses whenever possible, because then they can feel the vibe and see how it really is different from the traditional houses that they've spent their life in so far generally.
0: Yeah. Are are the tours, when the tours come back, are the tours only in North Carolina or do you have tours throughout the nation? Uh, we have tours
1: all over the world, really. We take people to Europe. Um, we have an active program there. I'm taking people to Abu Dhabi for the World's Fair in October of 2021 and March of 2022. We have a yearly trips to Falling Water in Pennsylvania to see Frank Lloyd Wright's Masterpiece and other houses. We have a huge uh, party that lasts about 10 days in Palm Springs for Modernism Week at the U.S. Modernist Compound, which is a hotel that we take over for the week Uh, during that extravaganza called Modernism Week that is like the Super Bowl of modern architecture. Uh, It's the big game and we're always there for that. And then we have tours in uh, Los Angeles, Chicago, Uh, Washington, D.C. from time to time. Those will all rev back up once the pandemic is over.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're doing great work, George. Before we wrap up here, what's one thing a small firm architect can do to build a better business for tomorrow? This is advice
1: I give architects all the time. And unfortunately, not too many of them follow it. But the the advice is return your damn voicemails. Just call (laughs) people back right away. And if you're too busy to do this, then you need to set aside half an hour every day like it's a dentist appointment. So from 4.30 to 5 o'clock, you are going to return all the calls from that day and not let them stack up. Now, you're deceiving yourself and saying, well, I'm so busy, I just don't have time. I'll get to them tomorrow or the next day or what else. But your clients and your suppliers and your builders, um, they need to be get back to. And you may not know the answer to the question, but you need to call him back and say, hey, Bob, I don't know, but I'll get back to you next week. That kind of
0: responsiveness goes a long, long way to ultimate success. His name is George Smart. The website is usmodernist.org. Make sure you go to .org, usmodernist.org. If if you're in North Carolina or you're interested in the North Carolina Modernist, it's also ncmodernist.org. George, what's the best way if somebody wanted to reach out If other than going to the website? Everybody should go to the website because it, you'll – and make sure you put some time aside to do that because you're going to jump into that website and it's going to take you hours to pull yourself out of it. Yeah. Uh, but is there get, a – go ahead.
1: I get emails, timestamped 3 in the morning. Yeah, I'm sure. George, <laughs> I've spent way too much time in this website. Um, they can reach me at Mr. Modernism on Instagram uh, or US Modernist on Instagram, and my email and phone number is at the bottom of every page, so I am easily accessible, and I will call you back within 24 hours.
0: <laughs> Very good, George. We will have all of those links on our show notes. George, thank you for doing what you're doing. This is an important mission that you that you have taken on. Um, If you weren't doing this, it's unlikely that it would be being it would be it would be done the way that you're doing it. Um, And so thank you from all of us, the architects who really appreciate what you're doing. But the world really needs what you're doing. And so thank you for uh, dedicating yourself to U.S. modernist. And thank you for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. And thank you to Arcat, Studio Services Bookkeeping, FreshBooks, and Twin Motion for their support of this podcast. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training for architects, business training that is, a supportive, Architect Community, yep, it's there. And Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects just like you, it's in there for you at Entre Architect Academy. It's waiting for you right there at the membership. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Be well, my friends, be healthy, happy, safe and secure Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Calling all small firm architects, it's time to tap into your full potential with Entre Architect's Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entre Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation
1: there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to
0: actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so uh, for me, the the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.